Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Let me share with you a bit of an introduction to our new uh, series called uh, The Beatitudes. Just a, a little bit of background there. Um, the, the name Beatitude comes from uh, the Latin word Beatitudo or Beatus, uh, and it, it basically um, translates the Greek word makarios uh, from Matthew's teaching, and uh, it means to be blessed, and, and to be blessed means to be added to, uh, to be happy, to be well off. And so Jesus makes these statements um, to those uh, who are awaiting God's blessing uh, in the kingdom of God. Interestingly enough, that Matthew never uses the words kingdom of God uh, because of his audience. He always uses the words kingdom of heaven. So Matthew is a Jew. He is a tax collector. Uh, he knows uh, the first five books of the Old Testament well. He would have memorized them. Uh, and so he comes as a Jew uh, trying to tell Jewish people who are his audience uh, that this Jesus is the king of the Jews. And so if he was to say uh, the kingdom of God, they wouldn't get that. And so he's trying to present Jesus as uh, the king of the Jews in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and how they understood the kingdom of God. And so uh, he, he shows them, and you'll see in the first uh, chapter, where he goes through three sets of uh, 14 generations. Now, for, for Jewish people, uh, your, your background, your genealogy is very important. And you'll see Matthew starts off that, but he doesn't say, listen, Jesus... Uh, had a father who had a father who had a father and names those. He does that three times, 14 times. Uh, and so he, he presents uh, 42 generations going back uh, who Jesus Christ uh, is going back, who his great-great-grandfather was, and he comes down and says, this Jesus is one of us. He's one of us. Uh, and so as he does that, he wants to present uh, what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, I've put up those three words, the kingdom, king, and reign, because in the Greek they have the same root word. It's the word vasilia, which means kingdom. King is vasilias, and to reign is vasilefs. And so you, in, in the kingdom of but Relake, there is a mayor, and he certainly has certain ways he operates. Uh, in, in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, there is a king. His name is Jesus. And the way he reigns is with love, grace, and truth. Uh, and so when we begin to see uh, what Jesus tries to explain to them, it begins to make sense. Uh, and when you see how Jesus links these words together, uh, and we'll be dealing with one of the Beatitudes each week, 
you begin to see that, that Jesus starts off with, with quite a profound one uh, as he, he shares uh, from what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sermon on the Mount is uh, one of the most profound sermons uh, of all time uh, preached by the greatest preacher that's walked on this earth. Um, and so some other people from different religions have been pretty impressed with these Beatitudes. In fact, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, um, in his autobiography, The Story of My Experiments with Truth, um, says that he read the entire Bible, and, and I quote, and he says, The Sermon on the Mount, uh, which went straight to my heart, impressed me the most. Uh, because uh, it, it speaks about justice and social justice and how we are to be. And so uh, why does uh, Jesus uh, share these Beatitudes and why does he want to uh, share them with uh, the people he comes into contact with? Well, because he, he's a great teacher and he wants to tell them what the kingdom of God is all about. And folks, this, this, this way of, of speaking is so radical uh, because it turns everything on its head. Um, you know, uh, the Old Testament had a whole lot of uh, rules and regulations which were not bad for the people. They were very good for the people. We call those the Ten Commandments and all the laws and bylaws. And folk, laws and bylaws are good for us. <laughs> you know, if there is a law that when you're driving your car and there is a red traffic light, the law says you stop. That's not good for God. That's good for you and for me. Because as we abide by that law, it, our lives will be spared. If we break that law, then our lives could be taken, but also the lives of those around us. And so what Jesus wants to share, this is what the kingdom of God is like. There were rules and regulations in, in the Old Testament. One of them was uh, circumcision of the flesh. Uh, as you know, a, a young boy... Uh, a little baby had to be circumcised on, on the eighth day. Um, but what Jesus wants to do now is, is do what, what Paul um, explains to us in Romans 5.29, where he speaks about the circumcision of heart. In the kingdom of God, when your heart is circumcised, you are blessed abundantly. You are happy, you're well off, uh, and you are part of the kingdom. And so uh, let's take a look at that one verse um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the New International Version. In, in the message it says it this way, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His rule. And that kind of sums it up so well. The word blessed there uh, is an adjective, uh, but it's in the nominative case, which basically... If, uh, in a fancy form, says that it's connected to some sort of verb. Uh, to It's linked to a verb. Uh, and uh, basically what he's saying is that this is what you are in the kingdom of God. Not go and become poor in spirit, but because it's the kingdom of God and you are poor in spirit, you are happy, well off, and blessed. That's your position. That is who you are in the kingdom of God. Of God, And so when, when we think about um, this culture that we live in today, it's, it's so countercultural because um, the, the, the culture that we live in today has what we might call a form of wisdom. 
You know, each person has their own understanding of, of what wisdom is about and, and how we, we, we think and how we live our lives. We have our own worldviews and how we deal with other people and how we view the world ourselves. And so we try and, and navigate our way. And, and when something new comes up, we go, you know what, that's old-fashioned. We don't want to uh, think that old-fashioned way. You know, th- that was for our parents and our grandparents. And so we go, we live in a modern world, in a modern society. Surely that can't uh, still apply. But you see, the truth is this, that God's wisdom is way better than the world's wisdom. Because uh, Paul writes to the, the Corinthian church uh, early in chapter 1, and he says, listen, you, you think you're wise, but you're actually, and he uses such a beautiful Greek word. He uses the word, you are a bunch of morons. Isn't that beautiful? It rolls on, moron, you know. That's a Greek word, which means you are foolish. Although you are adults, it seems like the fontanelle in your head, uh, it should have closed by now, but your brains are oozing out and you don't even know that, moron. And so he's basically saying to them that you think you're clever, you think you're wise, but you're actually foolish, uh, and that's the truth. And so when we look at God's wisdom versus uh, our own uh, human wisdom, then it, it makes a big difference because in most things, up is up. But when it comes to the things of God, they don't seem to totally make sense. And, and they seem paradoxical and what we might call illogical. And um, for example, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, uh, we read one of those paradoxes where uh, Jesus says, the way to save your life is to lose it. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Well, it doesn't, but in the kingdom of God, it does. And so the way you save your life is by losing it and giving it as a martyr no to the things of the kingdom and then in mark 10:31 when you lose your life you'll find it first shall be last and the last shall be first what that is so out of sync with what the world says well jesus said it again in matthew 20:26 20, the great, to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be a servant of all. What does that mean? That, is, that doesn't make sense. To be great, I need to be a servant. To want to wanna be first, I need to be last. Well, it, it makes absolute sense with reference to the things of the kingdom of God. And so these people were really hungry to hear what this rabbi by the name of Jesus had to tell them. And he starts off... Um, with this great sermon, uh, and it was pretty shocking, um, you know, to start off where, where uh, he says to them, basically, point number one, you need to understand your poverty. Understand your poverty. Um, you know, uh, you begin to, uh, in that next slide, you begin to understand your poverty uh, with reference to the kingdom of God. Uh, you, you, I don't know if Justin is awake there. There we go. There we go. Thanks, mate. <laughs> and so here is this eager crowd who, who have gathered before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he begins to teach them. And the first thing he says is that you need to be poor in spirit. 
They are hungry to hear something profound. And Jesus comes up with his very first beatitude, to be poor in spirit, because that's when you will be blessed, or that's when you are blessed. That is your position. And so uh, the ideal of, of giving yourself over to the things of God, that's so radical. Uh, it was radical in those days, and it is even more radical today, because uh, it doesn't make sense with reference to modern-day teaching or modern-day wisdom. And so uh, we often think that it's a bad thing, you know. But what Jesus is saying, in the context of the kingdom of God, it's a very good thing. You are, uh, you are blessed, you're well off, you're fortunate and happy uh, when you begin, begin to understand your poverty in spiritual matters. In fact, that's probably the starting point. Uh, but uh, I think we live in a, in a day and age where, where everybody would say, well, you know what, you, you're happy when you are successful, uh, when you're powerful, uh, when you're rich and you're hard and you're famous and you're aggressive and, and you're self-reliant and self-confident uh, and glamorous. Uh, you think, well, those aren't bad characteristics, but if we're replacing those things with the things of the kingdom of God, he's saying uh, that's extremely dangerous. With reference to the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. Because what you're saying is that in my own strength, I'm actually poor. You see, uh, often circumstances allow us to be um, quite uh, wounded and we respond in certain ways. Um, uh, one of the great philosophers, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who, who lived in, in the middle of the 19th century, said this, assert yourself, care for nothing, except for yourself. The only vice is weakness, and the only virtue is strength. Be strong, he was saying. The world is yours if you can get it. And I think what he would say is that if anybody gets in your way, wipe them out. And I think the kingdom of God is totally opposite to that. And some of that teaching of Nietzsche uh, can often creep into the church and we call that uh, the prosperity gospel. That, that you know, uh, the more you give, the more you will get. You know, and name it, frame it, claim it, and all the other. It, but that's not biblical Christianity. You know, so what Jesus is saying, that we hold on to the things of God. And it doesn't mean that you don't strive for worldly success or anything like that. But when you replace those things uh, with reference to the things of God, then it becomes dangerous because the one is temporal and the other one is investing in eternity, in the kingdom of God. And so uh, Jesus shocks them uh, up front by, by giving them this very first one. And, and I want to suggest to you that, that uh, by virtue that we become poor in spirit is the first place that uh, we, we start off with. Uh, because we, we see our total spiritual poverty uh, before God, and we basically come and depend on Him. So it moves away from ourselves to, to relying on God. And so, you know, we can be well-educated, but spiritually ignorant. We could be extremely wealthy financially, but spiritually poor. 
And what Jesus is saying to them, it's good to come and acknowledge your poverty. In fact, in in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, we read, To this one I will look to him who is humble. And that word humble there um, means to be lowly and needy. Uh, And to be contrite, uh, Isaiah says. Uh, That means to be basically lame and dejected. That you cannot get by in your own strength. And who trembles at my word. Uh, the word trembles, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, as you read the instructions that are found, they, you are in awe, and there is this uh, reverential uh, attitude toward God, that you are in awe of who He is and what uh, He has done. And so I don't know if you're sitting here this morning and you've come to the end of your tether. You, you kind of, uh, I've had enough, um, I've tried everything on my own. And I just have not been able to accomplish anything. I want to encourage you because that's a good place to be. That is a really good place to be. You know, uh, everything looks dim and grim. Well, that's a good place to be. Uh, You've realized that in your own strength, you've not been able to accomplish anything. Good place to be. Uh, Because we can often, you know, put God in a little box. But God is way bigger than that. And so when we come to the end of who we are, at the end of uh, what we can try and accomplish, that is the first step where we can actually go and understand who God is because I have tried in my own strength. I've not succeeded, and I'm going to uh, surrender all. You see, when you're at the bottom of the valley, the only place to look is up. The only place to look is up. But you need to acknowledge that. Friends, as, you, as I've mentioned before, my late dad was an alcoholic. And he could never acknowledge that he had a problem. And that's 80% of the, the issue here. That's 80% of the problem. To acknowledge that you've got a problem. That you've tried everything in your own strength. Dad tried that with alcohol. He couldn't do it in his own strength. You can try every single thing. You cannot do it. From a spiritual perspective, you know, you, you get to the end of your own tether. And you, I've had enough. I cannot do any more. Good place to be. Because then you begin to turn to the true and living God. And that's when he clicks in and begins to help us. But when we try in our own strength, then we're not going to go anywhere. And so not a bad thing to come to the end of, of, of this place and you feel empty and dry because that's when you can turn and look up. So point number one, understanding our poverty. Point number two, uh, receiving these benefits. And, and uh, that's, that's so beautiful because when you have this attitude of poverty, you begin to, to start understanding what the kingdom of God is all about. And when we begin to see how amazing it is with reference to the things of the kingdom of God, so we we begin to see uh, the amazing inheritance that is found in the things of God. In in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, uh, we read about the kingdom of heaven, and it says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Uh, And and what does that uh, basically mean? Well, similar to what Paul talks about, um, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, 
we're giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in this inheritance. Uh, you see, when, when you're a, a father, you want to give to your children whatever is yours, that inheritance. And, and that word qualified, um, I looked it up, and it means uh, he wants to render us fit to be able to, uh, to be equipped uh, to, to do what we're called to do. And that is to be poor in spirit so we can depend on him so he begins to add and to fill us up with the things of God. Um, you know, uh, if you read uh, you know, some of the, the things that are found in the New Testament, um, that we're heirs of God and, and, and joint heirs with the Son. And that means that, that God gives us as his children what belongs to us. Do you know what it means? I don't know. But I'm just blown away with what it means to understand the things of the kingdom, that I've experienced his grace, that I can know that the true and living God is on my side, and that I'm in the majority because he's on my side, that things don't happen coincidentally and by mistake, but because God is in total control. And when you begin to realize the amazing things that are found uh, in the kingdom of God, so you begin to understand that, uh, wow, it's because of who God is. And uh, to, to uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, for as many as may be the promises of God in him are yes. And that word yes, ne, in the Greek, N-E, if you like, you know, it, it's surely, uh, that's the truth for sure, exclamation mark. That's the truth. And those are the promises that are found in, in the things of God, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Wow. Wow. He will never abandon us. When we feel that we're going to be, he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 57, 15, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to re revive the heart of the contrite. Coming to Australia, we had to learn a little bit of uh, history and the 1st of January 1901 is when uh, the British Parliament uh, got together and passed uh, legislation enabling Australia to, to um, be independent, uh, to be part of uh, the Commonwealth and to, to begin to function as a country on its own. And this whole idea of independence is very popular, that we want to be independent. And I think that's a great political achievement. But that can often filter into our spirituality, that we need to be independent. Well, friends, let me suggest to you that it's exactly the opposite in the kingdom of God, that we need and need to be desperately dependent on God. And so in that next slide there, uh, there are a few little faces. I wonder from naught to 10, where you sit on that scale, on your dependence on God. And each one of us will be different on that scale. But, you know, how dependent are we on God and the things of God? Because each one of us 
needs to come to the end of who we are so we can be desperately dependent on God. And what I mean by desperately dependent, so we can come to a place where we realize that I cannot do it in my own strength. And because I cannot do it in my own strength, I hand everything over to God and I invite him to come and take over. And so wherever you are, I'm hoping <laughs> that you'll be at zero, uh, where you depend so much on God uh, and, and uh, you depend nothing on yourself. Because if that is the case, Jesus says, then you are happy, fortunate, and well off. That's when you are truly blessed. When you come to the end and say, enough is enough. I need you, Lord. Oh, I need you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that some would say it's a paradigm shift to think that way. But, Lord, I really believe it's a miracle. It's a miracle for, for us to come to the place where we realize in our own strength we cannot accomplish anything, but only by the help of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we are on the scale from 0 to 10. Draw us closer and closer to you, Lord, we pray, that we might be called people who are blessed in the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.